0: Hear this word from Jeremiah 18, verses 1 through 11. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will announce my words to you. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something on the wheel. But the vessel that he was making of clay was spoiled in the hand of the potter, so he remade it into another vessel as it pleased the potter to make. Then the the word of the Lord came to me saying, can I not, O house of Israel, deal with you as this potter declares the Lord? Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. At one moment I might speak concerning a nation or concerning a kingdom to uproot, to pull down or to destroy it, If that nation against which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent concerning the calamity I plan to bring on it. Or at another moment, I might speak concerning a nation or concerning a kingdom to build up or to plant it. If it does evil in my sight by not obeying my voice, then I will think better of the good with which I had promised to bless it. So now then, speak to the men of Judah and against the inhabitants of Jerusalem saying, thus says the Lord, behold, I am fashioning calamity against you and devising a plan against you. Oh, turn back each of you from his evil way and reform your ways and your deeds. This is the word of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. And now gracious God, May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make Still, I have no idea how many times I sang that hymn during the invitation growing up, but it was definitely enough that I could sing it without the hymnal, (laughs) or at least enough that I would see how many verses I could make it in without looking at the words. We didn't have smartphones when I was in the youth group. This was my fun. (laughs) Yeah. It it took a bit, but you got it, all right. And as I sang, I internalized these words, many times becoming overwhelmed with emotion as I tried to release control of my perfectly planned plans and surrender my will to God's. Sure, there is comfort in residing in the master potter's hands, but there's also a loss of control, uncertainty, fear, frustration, and lots of passivity. I'm not sure about you, but waiting, yielded and still, is not my strong suit. And so I felt quite proud of myself as I imagined what it might be to let go and let God, even as I hoped against hope that God's will would be something I wanted to do. (laughs) Did I need to be a doctor? Please, God, no. A teacher, a missionary, maybe? Would I end up on the mission field somewhere hotter than Alabama? Well, here I am in Texas. (laughs) The point is, I sang this hymn, and I read the words of Jeremiah 18, considering what it meant for my individual relationship with God. And I think the author of this hymn that we sang together a moment ago intended that as well. Adelaide Addison Pollard wrote this hymn in 1902 out of her own experience, trying to align her will with God's. Pollard, who was trying to understand why she had not been able to raise the support she needed to go and be a missionary in Africa, was struck by a woman's prayer at prayer meeting, in which the woman prayed, Lord, it doesn't matter what you bring into our lives, just have your way with us. So Pollard went home that evening and wrote the text to the song we sang today, drawing on that prayer and on the text in Jeremiah and others in Isaiah that reference God as potter. But is this what the author of Jeremiah intended? Is this a message about our own individual relationships with God? Or is that how we as Christians, especially in the United States, have just been trained to think about our faith? It is true that as Christians, we are called to submit our will to the will of God. We are to be imitators of the God who loves us enough not to give up on us when we fall apart on the potter's wheel. The God willing to work with us even when we fall and to make us into another vessel. But this morning, I want us to consider that this text might have a meaning beyond that and may even be primarily about something that is larger than us that at least for the original hearers the message delivered by jeremiah was one intended for the entire community it spoke to the entire community's relationship to god and god's absolute control For the prophet Jeremiah, and apparently the God who spoke through him, the individual piece of pottery is only part of the story. It is there, to be sure, as one perceives when Jeremiah himself is broken and rejected over and over and over again. There's a reason they call him the weeping prophet. But the people together, Judah, almost always take center stage as the object of the prophet's message. Remember that the prophet Jeremiah prophesied largely during one of the most difficult moments in Judah's history. The Neo-Babylonian Empire rose, swept across the ancient Near East, and threatened every tribe and nation that they came across, especially the tiny backwater kingdom of Judah. In the face of these threats, prophets and politicians in ancient 6th century Judah had two major reactions. So first is the idea that nothing can destroy us in our temple, God is on our side, it doesn't matter what we do, no one can conquer our God. And the second was to acquiesce to the pragmatic facts of the situation. King Nebuchadnezzar was coming, and we ought to just accept his rule. Jeremiah fell into the latter camp. But of course, he understands these geopolitical realities theologically. Babylon's imminent rule is not a political situation, but the very punishment of God. In the passage before us today, Jeremiah receives a word from the Lord and is, once again, trying to get Judah to listen. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will announce my words to you. Once at the potter's house, Jeremiah observes what is surely an everyday occurrence, a potter making something on the wheel that didn't go quite as planned. Rather than throwing the clay out and starting over, this potter reimagines the clay as something else that could be useful, remaking the clay into another pl- vessel, one that was pleasing to him. Then comes another word from the Lord Can I not, O house of Israel, deal with you as this potter does? Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Note that the analogy here is not with each individual Israelite, but with all Israel. Have any of you ever tried to throw a pot? If you have, you know that sometimes the clay has a mind of its own. It doesn't always do what we expect it to do or even what in our mind's eye it is going to be. And if you're me, all the time that clay has a mind of its own. (laughs) When we moved to Montgomery in 2009, I got it in my head that I was going to take pottery lessons from my friend Sherry. Sherry is a highly capable potter with years of experience. She makes beautiful pots, bowls, cups with the loveliest glazes, much like some of these that are before us today. And when we lived in North Carolina, my friend Teresa also threw pots, and every year she would have a show featuring her work. Gorgeous pieces. Now, to be clear, I had no illusions that I would be good at this. Quite the opposite, actually. I was in the middle of writing a dissertation, and I wanted to try something in which I had no expectations that I would ever learn to do it well. Just let me go be bad at something. So I wanted to do something that exercised a different part of my brain and gave me a chance to explore with no pressure. Don't worry, this is not a humble brag story about how I was actually a very gifted potter and I now own a side business so that I don't squander my talents. I was terrible. Uh, I still am terrible. Uh, But I loved it. And I loved the little pots that I made and all their misshapenness. They were pleasing to me. I was going to bring one this morning to show you how terrible of a potter I am, but I'm not unconvinced that someone in my family thought them so terrible that they were lost in the move. (laughs) Despite my ineptitude as a potter, I did learn a lot in that pottery class. I learned the importance of beating out the air pockets in the clay before you begin to throw a piece. I learned how to slam that clay down hard and get it to stick to the middle of the wheel. I learned about the importance of centering the clay and keeping it centered, of keeping the clay wet, but not too wet, of pulling the walls of the bowl or the vase or the cup up slowly, but not too slowly, all while putting consistent pressure on the clay as the wheel turns round and round and round. And I had to decide each week, um, as piece after piece collapsed on my wheel, whether I could make it into something else or if I had to beat it down and start again. It was messy. It was physical, but after, um, it was art, uh, but after my dabbling as a potter, I understood in a way that I never had before that it takes the right kind of clay just as it demands a skillful potter. And yet even the most beginner of beginners gets to decide when to just give up on the clay altogether. The potter in Jeremiah 18, of course, is a skillful potter, one with absolute control over the clay. And God declares that Israel is in God's hand just as the clay is in the potter's hand. In other words, God would decide Israel's fate just as God could determine the fate of any other nation. Thus, the message of Jeremiah 18 to the people of Israel is a surprisingly simple one. Repent of your evil doing and follow the ways of the Lord or risk destruction. It is important to note that this passage does not suggest that any nation that is destroyed is because God wills it or even that any nation that is destroyed got what it deserved. Rather, it communicates that this is a specific command to Israel to repent, and that God is responsive to repentance when repentance is chosen. God can change God's mind in the face of repentance. The story of the Ninevites in Jonah comes to mind. God's message here is a specific message to a specific nation communicating the consequence if they continued in their communal sin and rebellion. If Israel refused to repent, they would endure destruction. And we know that the message of Jeremiah is that Judah would not repent. The house of Israel would not repent. Thus, verse 12, which is immediately following the the reading from earlier, recounts Judah's fate. Despite Jeremiah's pleas that they ought to accept their punishment so that they could be broken and remade into something pleasing, Judah decided to follow their own plans and act according to the stubbornness of their evil heart. Judah, like a rebellious teenager, digs in his heels and goes all in. For Judah, it is too late. They have already decided to follow their own plan and act according to their own will. But where is the good news? (laughs) What blessing is there for us in this symbolic act related to Israel in Jeremiah 18? I want to suggest three things. But quickly, I know where I'm preaching. First, the fact that Judah had a choice is a gift. Our communities too have been given the gift of deciding whether to follow God or not. It is not forced on us. Second, that God continued to offer Judah multiple chances to repent is also a gift. At times, our communities stray. It's hard. At times, we are that clay that was shaped into one thing that ends up becoming something else. We are no less pleasing if we get lost and reshaped in the middle. And yet, in our difference, and being reimagined by God, yes, even in our misshapenness, our communities of Christ followers can be pleasing and are pleasing to God. God gives us multiple chances, pure gift. And finally, that God as a potter desires to make us into something that is pleasing Is exciting. That is good news. Great news, actually. It is not a peaceful process necessarily, or a fast one. It can be painful. Pots get broken sometimes, have to be repaired. It's not fun to be molded into something someone else wants you to be. Think of the process of rearing children. It's far easier to just remain as we came. We don't want to be pushed and pulled and stretched. We want to just be that lump of clay sometimes, just there. Or we just want to become whatever the wheel of life spins us into, or land wherever it spins us off but it's up to us. The reality is that change is inevitable. As a community, we must continually turn ourselves over into the hands of the potter who longs to make us into something that pleases. God can meet our community of saints where we are and make something beautiful. The witness of Jeremiah reminds us that as individuals, we are but one small part of the clay. We are not the whole lump. And we have a responsibility to one another to let God work within us and through us for the good of the whole. We ask together that God mold us and make us after God's will. We work together to remain in the center of the potter's wheel. Let us pray. God, that you have called us is gift. That you give us one another to journey together is gift. Fill us with hope, and joy, and peace about all that you long to do through us together. Amen.